0: Oh, yes.
1: Larbeth, Thanks, Lainey. Your
0: place looks gorgeous. I'm loving all this garland and oversized pine cones.
1: It smells so Christmassy in here. Uh Oh, Oh, thanks. I got my holiday candle burning and got the wreaths up on the windows. I don't have the tree decorated yet. That's coming. Well, you still have time, but But we are right at a month till Christmas time. So
0: the lights are popping up all around the city and it's getting to be a really sweet time. Well, we um, are sitting here with a very festive beverage that Lainey made up, and this is my first time trying it, but what do we got here?
1: I made this for Thanksgiving and saved a little to make for you today. So this is a St. Cecilia punch. Okay. Um, A wonderful Southern punch that has several things in it. Peach brandy, brandy, rum, um... It's got champagne in it. Love champagne. Uh, you soak the lemon slices in some brandy, and then it has chunks of pineapple in it. So, okay. um, yeah, it's very festive and fun.
0: And um, well, I just looked up Saint Cecilia. You said um, I think you mentioned to me you were going to be making this, and you mentioned something about Charleston. So I just looked them up. I guess they were a or, uh, like an organization, a society pre, pre- or- Civil War. Yeah, that. Was really responsible for some of the concert organization of their area, like bringing in um, different musical acts and just
1: kind of sophisticated the music scene there. So well, that's kind fun. Of fun little tidbit. Yeah. Well, I've, I'm sure they had lots of festive hospitality. True. Most Charleston societies do. So I'd say that's probably part of this pineapple chunk. Yeah, you told me something unique a long time ago about the pineapple that I didn't know. Yeah, so what I had heard, I've often seen pineapple as a symbol of hospitality. Okay. And I had heard a story that sounds like this would be where that may have come from. So when people were able to do some traveling, they would often bring back with them some of the foods from the areas they had been. Sure. And it was a symbol, obviously pre-social media days, um, that you were back from your travels and had some... Foods to share with your neighbors and things like that by taking a pineapple and putting it on the fence post. Okay, yeah. So that was kind of a welcoming sign. Come in, see what I brought back from okay. my travels. So it's kind of the open door. The doors open. That's right. Sort Come of see what policy. what I've got. And um, so yeah, that's become a symbol of hospitality. You'll see that in various areas. I've uh, had a friend give me a lovely welcome. Pineapple that hangs at my front door that I really like.
0: I bought one in Charleston that um, it's more of just like a painting
1: of a pineapple, but I have it Yeah, So that's a sweet symbol that you want to welcome people in your home, and and I bet that's part of why there's pineapple chunks in this.
0: Probably so. Festive punch.
1: We'll have to uh, add the recipe
0: to the website for the St. Cecilia punch. Speaking of punches, We are going to focus next week much more on uh, Southern Punches. Okay. I'll try to make another one. It's Christmas season, so there's a lot of holiday parties happening, and Punch seems to be the centerpiece of a lot of those gatherings. So we're going to talk about Southern Punches I'm going to be making and talking about a cheer wine Punch, oh, which is what I'm going to be making for um, my Christmas party this year. So, yeah, we'll talk all things Punch next week. That sounds good. But for this week, we're going to focus on another, uh, I guess, food item that is the centerpiece of Christmas at a lot of homes, and that is ham. So when most people think about ham – they're probably thinking of a more sugary ham. Yep. Um, but there are really two contrasting <laughs> um, variations, if you will, of ham. There's country ham, and then there's city ham. So That's right. What do we What do we really need to know? Do you think, as uh, Southerners or transplants to the South, about yeah.
1: country and city ham? Because I know there's there's very stark differences. Well, I think at its most basic, a ham is the rear leg. Um, think maybe from the ankle up to the rump yep. of the pig. So that those rear legs, that's the ham. Yep, the ham bone, as you've heard it before. Yeah, yeah. so then it's just a matter of how you're curing this ham. You mm-hmm. can cure it in different ways. Curing is the process of preserving meat. And obviously, before refrigeration, this was very important. Yes. To, you had to... Use everything you had. Yeah. And so you had to come up with ways to cure meat. Yeah. And it's been going on for many, many thousands of years. But here in America, you know, we have two basic different ways of of curing. Yeah. I do think most people in the nation are thinking of, like you said, a sugary, what would be called a city ham. When
0: people are saying ham, they're probably
1: thinking... Of what is actually a city ham. It may not be listed as city ham, but... That's right. And so those are usually submerged in saltwater solution. Yeah. And for several days or weeks. And that salt penetrates into the meat. And um, that would be the way they would brine a ham like that. Um, of course, I'm not a big lover of ham. But I do think, gosh, that famous honey-baked ham that's yes. got that wonderful... Brown sugary yes, yes. glaze, kind of crusty glaze. glaze on it, so, so good. good. Pre-sliced, yeah, <laughs> also nice. <laughs> the old pre-sliced, yeah. So, so that's the um, what would be called a city ham, but here in the South and all through Appalachia, um, it became famous to do more of a country ham or okay. a, a um, with a dry rub, okay, and that would be hung in a. Like a smokehouse, a smokehouse right. or yeah. something. So think if you don't if you're not familiar with this at all, more like an Italian prosciutto that's going to be hanging yes. and drying yeah. that way. Yeah, we've got a couple of pretty old and famous um, here in the South smokehouses. There's Edwards in Virginia. Okay, um, they are out of Surrey, Virginia, okay. um, but they have. I don't know them. And then there's Benton's, yes. um, which is in Tennessee, Tennessee. in Madisonville, Tennessee, um, a little closer to home for us. And it is, um, Madisonville is between Chattanooga and Knoxville.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they the have stores, of, right? Well, they have a store there in Madisonville, okay. uh, just one store there. Okay. You can order online from these places, but you're going to be paying shipping sure. for that. Yeah. Um, and then Edwards in Virginia, they have um, both the Surrey location and Williamsburg, Virginia Oh, okay. location as well. So that would be a fun place. I don't want to go too into that, but fun place to shop for a foodie would be to yeah. go in one of those because they have more than just their hams. They have okay other products and... Okay. That foodies would love. Okay. But have yeah. You, have you tried Benton's? I have tried Benton's. I don't, uh, I have not visited there. Okay. I would love to visit there. I've only had it from a menu. Um, but it's so funny how, um, you know, just warms your heart to hear something that's close to home. Yeah. B- you know, becoming more famous. I was watching a um, cooking show and it was so funny. It was all about. Ramen in Japan. Okay, and this Which is very popular one, get popular here. Famous chef there in Japan was telling his secret, yeah. and one of his main ingredients was Benton's bacon from wow. Tennessee. So I couldn't believe it. Here is wow. this Japanese chef who's famous for his ramen, and one of his secret ingredients was Benton's bacon. So, so he must order in bulk um, to make that shipment I would worth think it. So yeah, but yeah, so so. Different kinds of ways to do this, but country ham is obviously significantly saltier. Right. Great for breakfast. Wonderful for breakfast. Often served with a red-eye gravy, which I am not a fan of. I feel <laughs> like you got to talk about red-eye gravy True. if you talk country ham, but it's a, a gravy that's made with coffee. It's pretty bitter. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't think I've ever
0: had that. That would so country ham, red eye gravy, that's probably what's gonna be on like your cracker barrel menu.
1: Absolutely. You're gonna find that um, you know, with eggs and biscuits in many yeah. southern um kitchen establishments. Yeah.
0: Well, it's definitely gonna be part of many people's Christmas season. So we did wanna touch on it. Yeah. But, um
1: our mom made a recipe that um, was I've had it other meals and potlucks and things that were called ham delights. Do you remember oh, these? they're so good. So they're usually made on those Pepperidge Farm rolls. rolls. Yeah, has the like, like a slider kind of roll. Yep, very small. Exactly. Yeah, it's got a little bit of ham on it, Swiss cheese. It's got a uh, I think it's got a Dijon or mustard. That sounds. And right. then it has like a butter poppy seed mm-hmm. situation yes. <laughs> that you pour on top. So. Wonderful for parties. We may want to put that recipe up too. Yeah, that's um, good. Ham delights. ham delights. And yeah, I've made those for, um, you know, brunches and things because they're a little bit hearty and go well for
0: parties. That's so good. Well, there you have it. There's your, your ham corner, ham minute something. <laughs> your tidbits on country and city ham. That's right. We'd love to know uh, if you have preferences. You can follow us on. Instagram and Facebook. Um, Send us a message if you've got any good ham recipes or ways that you have seen ham cured that is particularly interesting. So I came across an interesting um, book that I wanted to talk about today. And it ties into what I would call the quintessential Main Street of America. So think of any... Small town with, you know, a town square and a main street where there's shops and restaurants. And, you know, this is where the people are gathering, right? Yeah. It's um, hopefully a bustling area. The
1: thoroughfares of old. Yes. Yeah.
0: Many of them have been renovated because they were a thoroughfare. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, were left they desolate. Did. Yeah, you know, the the city migrated to a different sort of community, and now it's has a little city hall. Or yeah, different now it's like it's that. sort yeah. of cool again to have a, a downtown, if you yeah. will. So um, that that's true of many main streets of America. Um, Absolutely. But oftentimes those sorts of scenes, so sort of Norman Rockwell sorts of scenes, are tied in compared to Bedford Falls of It's a Wonderful Life, right? So Bedford Falls being the
1: favorite movies of all time. The town
0: that that Jimmy Stewart lives in and, um, of course, flees from as he, um, you know, wishes that he'd never never been born and Mm -hmm. that he, yeah, he wanted to do bigger and better things. And then he gets to experience life without him um, and what the community looked like. Um, with that being the case. So I found this book, it's, um, I'll put it up on the website. It's called, um, 52 Lessons I Learned from It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, And it's just a really sweet read, I would say, this time of year. But this chapter that stood out to me is called Find Your Own Bedford Falls Wherever You Live. So it says, every so often, some critic will take a shot at It's a Wonderful Life, specifically at director Frank Capra's depiction of Bedford Falls as a sort of Norman Rockwell town. All hail Pot- Pottersville, said a piece on Salon.com in 2001. Ouch. Potter Yeah. <laughs> Pottersville rocks, but Bedford Falls... It is, the article says, the kind of claustrophobic, undersized burb where everybody knows where you're going and what you're doing at all times. In the Life Without George sequence, Bedford Falls becomes a darker, more hard-edged place where the emphasis is on booze, women, pounding music, you get the idea. Vegas. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But those who miss the virtues of Bedford Falls are apparently those who miss the virtues of human connections that extend beyond the proverbial one-night stand. It's almost irrelevant that what show is playing at the town's movie theater or music is being played in Bedford Falls local bars. Its charm lies in its people, In the community connectedness, in people feeling part of something. In Bedford Falls, there's a shared history, a shared pride, a shared concern about not only the place, but also the people in that place. Mm -hmm. The point is that we should all move to small towns. Excuse me, the point isn't that we should all move to small towns. The point is that we're fortunate if wherever we live, we can carve our lives in those places where people are a priority, where we're accountable to others, Mm -hmm. where we understand the actions of a few affect the larger community.
1: That's right.
0: Uh, Let's see. That may be in the form of a church, a small group, a neighborhood, a family, a club, a school, but there are organizations in which people draw together for a common cause. The critic panned Bedford Falls in part because everybody knows what everybody else is up to. But, to some degree, isn't that also the kind of built-in accountability that makes us want to live to a higher standard? Because we realize we'll be letting someone down if we don't. So good. Yeah, that our actions matter to the whole. And isn't that what enabled Mary to rally much of the town to help George? Frankly, that high-touch dimension has gone missing in America in the last 50 years. Bedford Falls reminds us, if it's impractical for us to all live in small towns, we should seek ways to find that small town community wherever we live, for like logs on a fire, we burn brightest when huddled together with others. Wow.
1: That is so good. It even reminds me of that song that resonated so much from that show, Cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody Everybody, knows your name. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, (laughs) this stood out to me for multiple reasons. One, I do believe that people want to be known, as you're saying. I do believe that both kindness and hospitality are married together and part of the sort of Southern charm um, that is stereotyped but yet pretty true of the South. But it also reminded me of something funny that my husband mentioned when he first moved here. He moved here from Indiana. And he said every time he would go to the grocery store, he was always shocked and a little annoyed, if he was honest, that the cashier, (laughs) you know, as they're scanning each barcode across their register, they're just making conversation. Just chatting that's right making small talk asking him you know how he's doing what he's doing this afternoon what are you making with this just anything yeah. you know if, it, if he had a sports team he was wearing you know oh are you a such and such fan and it drove him crazy wow but in essence i mean that is the south right that's like the south we we value people and, and that's not to say that other regions don't. don't. Right, but right. I just, I hope that we always have a stamp marked on us that includes people being a priority. That we care about each other. That we care about each other because, you know, it it's hard. It's getting harder and harder to mm-hmm. have that human connectedness because mm-hmm. of the pace of life. Right. So, in essence, you know, the interaction between a store clerk and a shopper is also fading away at the increase of online yeah. activity. Pick it so, up from the car, right? So those moments, even being fewer and far between, those actually are even more precious because yeah. this may be the only time this person comes into the store all month that's or right.
1: two. You know, well that two even, months. that's right. That reminds me of an actual story that happened to our mom. We I was with her at the store. She was buying the ingredients to make lasagna to take to somebody who was sick or just had a baby. I can't remember. Uh-huh. The cashier says, oh, are you making lasagna? Right, <laughs> she right. sees the ingredients. Yeah, yeah. Mom said, context clues, right? That's right. She said, uh, yeah, it's not for me. I'm making it for somebody that's sick. And she said, oh, people still do that? Wow. So it's, it's interesting because one, that person was engaging mom. Mom wasn't going to tell her what she was right. making. It yeah. was started. The conversation was on the cashier's yeah, side, but yet it was a cool conversation. Mom got to have with her too of, yeah, people still do that. Yeah. Yeah. And That's I mean, I, I, for being one community,
0: I mean, I'm guilty as the next person to say, you know, I, there's instances where I am in a hurry and I don't want to make the small talk or I don't want to you know, chit chat through it. I just want to, especially if I've got my one-year-old with me, it's like, let's get this (laughs) going. As much
1: done as possible. Yeah.
0: But I just, you know, we've talked about our love of tradition and um, just preserving the old on this podcast. And I just hope that, you know, human connectedness is something Mm -hmm. that those that are finding themselves new to the South, or if, you know, those of us that have lived here a long time, that we
1: can start to pay more attention to. Even if you've lived here your whole life, you can get in that, sucked into that vortex of busyness yeah. that causes you not to have human connection. Right. Cause if you it doesn't ba- matter how graceful and hospitable you are. We're all prone to that.
0: Yeah. If you back it up, you know, and look at how village or tribe driven, you know, Individuals, or you know, people were. They had
1: to rely on one another.
0: Right. I mean, it it was a matter of every need being met only because people were pitching in. People that's were right. bartering, right?
1: Yeah, bartering. Like bartering barn raises even happened where everybody would pitch in literally and raise one barn. Wow. And then everybody would go on another Saturday or whatever day and raise another one, build another one like that. Everybody had to pitch in cause you couldn't do this stuff alone. Barn raising. I love it. Yeah. Like that's just not something they <laughs> <you> hear anymore. <laughs>
0: you hear anymore at all. So I guess I'm just thinking, okay, so how does the South continue to cultivate this? How do we, wherever we live, if we're in the city or a suburb or somewhere in between, how do we cultivate that connectedness? Now, one place I was thinking of um, specifically in this area, there is a church on every corner. And the church is definitely a place of gathering connectedness. It's much more than just your own personal faith right. experience. Um, that is the place where you are, you know, drawing and gaining relationship from other people much more than Saturday and Sunday, if you want to. Right. Some people do strictly
1: go in, go out. Yeah. Not a whole lot of connection.
0: But the the church picnic,
1: potlucks, you know, small groups, block parties. Those Bible that's studies. That's where you're going to get to actually know somebody.
0: Those certainly offer the human
1: connectedness that yeah. we. We also desperately need, and then there's other groups that are well. And I think even in church groups, anytime you're breaking bread together, yeah, that's you're true. actually talking about life and yeah, more than just you know saying hello in the lobby, yeah. You know, like you're actually going to sit and have some eye contact,
0: right? And frequently, right? Frequently, Not just hopefully. yeah, the once a year, right. let's say you know Christmas dinner or something where you know there's been <laughs> so much turnover or different people that you're now sitting with that. Right. Yeah. So we've, we've talked about this before, food and frequency. That's <laughs> our, our key. That's to how you get to building relationships with other people, that's right. food and frequency. Um, but I mean, other clubs too, there's you, you mentioned one time that. Someone you knew said that the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts seemed to be
1: Bigger in the South. I don't here. know if that's true. We certainly participated in We
0: did, yeah. That.
1: our mom was a Girl Scout leader for a period of time.
0: And lots of um, events or activities that include kids definitely lean and give way to you getting to, you know, have a no relationship other with other people. Yeah. Just that's just in and of itself. A great way to meet people. I think of um, one of our longest-standing friendships that we have in our family um, started with a plate of cookies being taken oh, over oatmeal, oatmeal cookies <laughs> being taken over to a neighbor. Um, but it it sort of solidified with having children. Yeah. You know, so there may not have been so much, you know, exchange of going over to each other's houses without the kids. That's true.
1: It certainly helped. Um, Well, I think one of the best ways, if you're needing human connection, is to serve. Like not to look for ways where you can be served, but to serve. To serve volunteering, yeah, yeah, because you're going to get to know both the people you're serving with. Actually, you'll get to know them the best because you'll probably see them on a regular basis. But also, you'll get to know the people that you're serving. Yeah, and there is nothing better to change a bad mood than to go serve. And I mean, I'm speaking from experience. Um, There's just nothing better to get your mind off your own woes. Yeah. As to do something like that. Yeah. Going in your own neighborhood yeah. to see what needs to be done. That can look so many different ways. Yeah. Look at what maybe you're passionate about. You know, even in the South, it can get cold in a lot of places. Sure. And Room at the Inn is a beautiful yep. way to serve. Yeah. Many churches host that, but there's other places that host it. Um, but serving those people that don't have anywhere to sleep when it's cold yeah. outside. Yeah. and um or whatever your passion is if it's battered women shelters yeah. or refugee populations there's many places where mm-hmm. you can serve with others on yeah. a regular basis yeah. there's all kinds of food pantries all the clothing closets
0: clothing you know yeah. where people can either come pick out their own food or clothing or you know have it delivered to them yeah um just to meet those basic basic needs and
1: sometimes there's even you know here in the South, we have a lot of tornadoes and things like that. There's disaster relief kinds of things. That's true. Be good touch points to serve others. So many, we couldn't go into all of them.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't have to be, you know, so self, self self-serving, if you will. Um, You can get out and do outreaches. And I would also hope that um, we as a culture would be sort of those first responders, you know, in those moments of, even personal disasters, because it doesn't have to be a tornado for Mm -mm. a neighbor to feel like they're living in a tornado, right? Like, this is definitely the season where hardship, loss,
1: um, loneliness,
0: loneliness, just it's just so magnified right now. So as much as I feel like, you know, independence Solidarity and achievement and (laughs) success can be a good thing. It can overshadow so much. Um, And I really felt like that was a lot of what that particular story was, um, was highlighting is people being a priority and the human connectedness and just making that a priority in our lives and passing that down to our children. Um, Hopefully they'll see that, you know, modeled in our lives because it's only going to evolve through the years. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't play bridge right now, <laughs> but when I look back and see that women used to gather yeah. and, and, and still do, but even more commonly. So used to gather in, you know, other people's homes and sit yeah. down and play cards. That sounds wonderful to me, but it's just not, not conducive now. Now, now yeah. I could kind of bring it back, but it would still feel a little retro, you know, it'd yeah, yeah. still feel like I'm, Throwing
1: some sort of retro card party. Um, It is fascinating to think about. I'm just having a memory of women gathering and making quilts. It takes a long time to make a quilt. That's true. So they would all sit together, a whole bunch of them working on it at one time, and be talking about life. Yeah. Well, people don't really do that so much anymore. But what do we need to? What does it need to look like today? Yeah. Just a good thing to think about it's an interesting thought and making room for it making room that's something that
0: we hope to continue to talk about and bring up on this podcast
1: as well is making room at your table yep, and what that looks like making so room in your calendar can be hard but it's yeah. very important yeah so well
0: i do hope um again wherever you live you will be able to find your own bedford falls type community meaning a place where you feel like if you weren't there you would be missed that's right and that's really important um for each of us to feel and to know this holiday
1: and and embracing the the quirky things of where you live and just there's beauty in it and you realize it when you step back and look
0: yeah so we've got um some really exciting Christmas events that we've been digging into. And I will say this on the front end. We need more. We need, yeah, to, hear we need to hear from you, from you guys. Um, please send us a message on Facebook or Instagram and let us know in your town or even where you're from, even if you don't live there anymore, if there's a special Christmas event
1: that you believe should be highlighted please let us know because or even any time of the year like yeah. let us know like, Yeah, we're just saying true. for any time let us know what your favorite places are in your area and yeah, we festivals
0: wanna, and all that. We want to highlight um, far and wide, and so we only know what we know. That's right. <laughs> we want to share as much as we can, even from those of you um, that are listening. So, Lainey, you found a couple of events that are I do have up. a few
1: things. Uh, I used to live in the Atlanta area, so some of this is familiar to me, so I'm going to start there. Um, there's so many things. There's no way we can go into everything, but one Special event that is upcoming this weekend is the 92nd annual Morehouse-Spelman Christmas concert. Morehouse-Spelman Christmas concert. Yes, so two different universities. It's their Glee Clubs come together to do a concert. Um, It is free, I think. Uh, you'll have to check. I've got a couple of websites. It's Spelman, S-P-E-L-M-A-N dot E-D-U. Okay. has all of the details, but the concerts are Friday, November 30th through Sunday, December 2nd. And you can also live stream on Saturday night oh, if you're at home. That. Oh, I want to so do that. So it's a beautiful, um, concert to get you in the Christmas spirit, um yeah so definitely check well, that out add if that you're in the Atlanta to area. Our Facebook page and then maybe that'll even remind people on Saturday to watch the live stream. Yeah. That sounds fabulous. Um and then a couple more that are just not too far from there. Dahlonega, Georgia is north of Atlanta. Probably okay. less than an hour, maybe 48, not 50 minutes, something okay. like that. Um, north, um, they have a big Christmas market that's sponsored by the Delonica Women's Club. And hey, if you're in that area, that might be a touch point for you to get community. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know anything about their women's club, but um, and they have an old-fashioned Christmas parade and carriage rides. Um, So, yeah, that's one recommendation in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And you can go to Dahlonega.org for all the details. Okay. Um, That's spelled D-A-H-L-O-N-E-G-A.org. And then only about 40 minutes from there is the city of Helen, Georgia. And I have been to Helen for Oktoberfest, which is another fun time to go to Helen. All right. But it's a very Bavarian-looking town. Uh, okay. German, very, very cool-looking town. Um, so the first two weekends of December, they have their Christmas market. You know, Bav- Bavarian towns are known for these Christmas markets in Germany yeah, yeah. and Austria and stuff like that. So they have... Their Christmas markets, those first two weekends of December, and December 8th is their parade. Okay. Information on that at cityofhelen.org. So that's just a few in that area. Okay, and then... Atlanta and north of there.
0: Let's see, I guess it was in October. We were up in Bardstown, Kentucky... We actually had gone to a horse race up in Lexington, yeah, and we were just kind of popping all around Kentucky. So we were in Bardstown, the bourbon capital of the yes. world. and
1: <laughs> cool town. Speaking
0: of small towns, this one is quite quaint. And so I wanted to let everyone know that they are doing the Mild Kentucky Dinner Train. And that is going to be like a North Pole Express type experience How fun. that runs all the way through december twenty third and um there's different variations of them. You can do it as um like a dinner train or you can do sort of an abbreviated version um that's more of just cookies and hot chocolates um, but it sounds really fun and then, as I mentioned, they are the bourbon capital of the world and so maker's mark does distillery candlelight tours oh my goodness on that's um, a cool december place. 1st and 8th they do those there um in the bardstown area and then i think they can
1: even dip your own bottle in the wax there in maker's mark that'd be a fun gift that would be a very you fun hand dipped it in the gift. wax oh. um especially for
0: those that are hard to buy for. it's very <laughs> That's unique. That's a very fun one. Um, they've got a Christmas tour of homes and even a New Year's Eve uh, dinner excursion, dinner train excursion. So um, I'll put some a link on our um, Facebook page to those events in Bardstown, Kentucky. But... Definitely one of the cute main streets of America. And I believe, you know, just as is the case here in the Nashville area, there's a lot of cities this week, last weekend and this weekend that are doing their Christmas parades, their tree lightings. Yeah, um, You know, the the towns are starting God, enjoy to... Enjoy your square. <laughs> to light up. Yeah, enjoy your town square and, um, you know, support small business and um, yeah, just... Again, like we said earlier, find ways to make those, those human connects, even in the sort of temporal moments, um, cashier to customer, um, but then also looking for kind of the longer term um, connections.
1: Yeah, and then one more I wanted to mention. Um, I had a friend tell me that the Bristol Motor Speedway, oh yeah, Forgot in I'm Bristol, say that one. does a big uh, light show. It's one of these drive-through, twenty dollars a car, you know, for however many are in the car, and um, they have an ice skating rink. There's a big carousel, um, lots of photo op Areas and things like that. So that might be something if you're in that Bristol area, one of those cities up there. Yes, very Um, family friendly. Another thing to check out their website is speedwayandlights.org. Speedway and lights, all right. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for
0: this episode of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Um, We are so excited getting to hear from those of you that are starting to listen. So please continue to uh, share this with your friends and family and like us on Facebook and follow, follow us on Instagram. If you do enjoy the podcast, I hope you'll be able to leave us a review on either iTunes or Google Play, however you're finding yourself listening. All right, y'all have a great week, and we'll see you here next week.